Hey, Mighty Warrior, you know the great John Wesley once said that if you give him 300 men who fear nothing but God, hate nothing but sin, and are determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, he said he would set the world on fire. Do you know that one quote changed my life? Because after hearing it, God immediately gave me a vision to build a team of 300 men who would change the world for Christ. But I didn't realize it at the time that a man is the hardest thing to reach. And if you don't believe me, just ask any pastor or men's ministry leader or even a wife. <laughs> now, due to the success of our Real Men Connect podcast, we've managed to reach and teach men all over the world in 43 countries and still counting. But John Wesley knew when he spoke those famous words, just like Jesus did, that there's a huge difference between attracting a passive crowd of men and recruiting a committed team of men. So we decided to launch the Real Men 300. The Real Men 300 is an opportunity for you to join an exclusive team of men who've agreed to financially partner with Real Men Connect to be personally mentored, supported, and coached so they can be professionally trained and equipped to mentor, support, and disciple the next generation of men for Christ. So we want to personally help you grow in Christ while you're supporting us in ministry. We're a nonprofit organization and we rely heavily on your financial support. So we're asking you to consider partnering with us by giving at least $30 a month, that's only a dollar a day, to help us help you be the man God called and created you to be. To give or to find out more, just go to realmen300.com. That's realmen300.com and join the 300 today. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us not one guest, but two, Nancy Anderson and her husband, Ron Anderson. And Nancy is an award-winning writer who has contributed to 30 books, including six Chicken Soup for the Soul titles. She's also the author of Avoiding the Green Grass Syndrome, How to Grow a Fairproof Hedges Around Your Marriage. Nancy has written several marriage articles for websites such as Crosswalk, CBN, Family Life, and The Growth Track. She's also been featured in national media, such as Huffington Post, The 700 Club, World Magazine, Our Daily Bread, and Family Life Today. She and her husband, Ron, host a new TV program, Growing Healthy Marriages, on HSBN.TV. They have one son, Nick, and they live in Orange County, California. I first heard about Nancy after her agent mailed me a copy of her book, Greener Grass Syndrome, which I just finished this past weekend. And I was thoroughly enjoying the book until my wife asked me about what I was reading. And when I told her what the title of the book was and how to fair proof of your marriage, the look she gave me was priceless. It was as if she was waiting for me to ask her something. And of course, like a typical man, I just stared back at her and said nothing. And then I broke the awkward silence by telling her that I was going to have Nancy on my show. So I guess that's one of the first questions I'll probably ask Nancy is how do you bring this topic up to your spouse without it appearing to be awkward? And with that being said, I want to welcome my guest, Nancy and her husband, Ron, to our show. Guys, thank you for joining us on the Real Men Connect podcast. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Joe, for having Nancy and I. Yeah, we're so excited to be with you. You know, I tell you, you got to be flexible when you're working in media because, Nancy, I told you even off the air that I wasn't expecting to be able to get Ron on the show because it's tough enough trying to line up one guest alone, but getting both of the guests at the same time. But I consider this truly a blessing to have both of you guys here on the show at the exact same time because, like I said earlier, man, this book is phenomenal. The book is incredible. And I had a million questions I was going to ask you about Ron, but now that Ron is on the show, we can actually ask Ron directly. And, and Ron, excuse the um, analogy, but we can get it right from the horse's mouth. And That's so right. You'll be able to share that with us. I was worse than a horse. <laughs> You're worse than a horse. I'm not going to ask you which part of the horse you were either. So. <laughs> but I'm going to start because since it's both of you guys here, I'm going to have a lot of questions for you. So um, I'm going to try to get right to the meat of the interview. But we always ask our guests when they come on the show to share with us their favorite Bible verse that gives them inspiration from the Word of God. And Ron, we'll start with you. Share with us your favorite Bible verse um, from the Word of God that inspires you and why? Well, mine is First uh, Peter 3, 7, and it's dwell with your wife in understanding. And, and that helps, that verse helps save my marriage and set the tone because I had to get a PhD in really understanding my wife for a couple of reasons. One is so I could meet her needs, but also so I could avoid those little arguments that start out. And then within 90 seconds, it's World War III. And the more things that I understand about my wife and how God made her, we stop stepping on each other's toes and going to battle. Wow, that's great. That's great. And Nancy, what about you? What's your, your anchor verse, your life verse? Well, it's Proverbs 4.23, which is, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And that's from the New Living Testament. And I like that version because... You know, the world is preaching the you deserve to be happy gospel. And they're saying, follow your heart. Oh, if you just follow your heart, you'll be fine. But that's not true. The Bible actually says the opposite. It says to guard your heart, which to me means your emotions and your the romantic part of of you. And don't follow that. Follow God's word. So be careful about your feelings. Don't let them determine the course of your life. You know, and then so we're going to get back to that about that, that I deserve to be happy gospel. Um, Because you mentioned a lot about guarding your heart in the book when especially using the hedge hedges analogy and metaphor that that I loved how you 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 told that throughout the the story of the book. And so you talk about guarding your heart. I knew I remember I couldn't remember it because both of you guys mentioned that those verses in the book as well as being some of your anchor verses. So that just brought back to my memory. Yeah, that's right. That's because I remember that now. But I want to start and kind of. Let's do uh, this this kind of bird's eye view, and then we're going to co- come back in again. Even though the title of your book is somewhat self-explanatory about the greener grass syndrome, um, give us an overview, Nancy, of your book and what it's all about and what you were hoping to accomplish when you wrote it. Okay, well, the book, uh, the, there's two editions. The first edition was written in 2004 after we had been telling our story for quite some time and our story in a synopsis short version is that many years ago, over 35 years ago, I had an affair, left my husband, was headed for divorce. Um, We were separated. But then through a a series of miracles, really, um, I confessed to my husband, he forgave me, and we rebuilt our marriage slowly. It was a rough go. It took us two or three years to put it back together. But Then we started telling our story to encourage other people that adultery doesn't always have to mean divorce. 
sometimes if it's not repented or if there's various circumstances. But we try to encourage people, even in the face of that, to try to figure it out, to ask God's forgiveness and to begin again, which is what we had to do, start all over. And so the book is based on the concept of hedges, which are things to guard against in your marriage. The concept of a hedge is a, a protection and those to keep the good things in and the bad things out. And there's personal hedges that we all have to have. And then the marriage needs to have a hedge, too. That's our point of view. You know, and, and I got it in Ron. This I'm glad that you are joining us on the show today, um, because in early in the book, when Nancy writes about this and Nancy, you were very transparent. I, I love your honesty and transparency. But at the same time, I am a man, too. And I know what men struggle with. And as you're given the details of your infidelity and, you know, what was happening, that kind of thing. And you even mentioned earlier in the book that you're probably not going to like me as you read this book, you know, that you're going to probably be mad at me. And I can imagine there are a lot of men who did read the book who, you know, who are upset. But my thing is, as I was reading through it, I was thinking, how is Ron feeling that you wrote it? Because, you know, you care less if, it, if we don't like you, but but your husband has to, you putting this thing in writing. And Ron, you're reading this and she's not skimping on some of the details. You know, she, of course, she doesn't give all the gory details, but enough that I know that could hurt a man. And I know how we are as men when we visually start playing this stuff in our heads. So, Ron, as far as was is it a, was it a difficult book for you to read or did you want her to tell the story, not tell the story? How did you feel when you thought she wanted to make this public and put it in a book? I said, absolutely not. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not what I said. Uh, well, you know, by the time she got to where she was writing the book, our marriage was back on track. And, uh, and from the point of the infidelity to that point, the Lord had healed me totally. And I thought it was a wonderful thing to be able to go out and share. And as you, Dr. Joe, we believe transparency is phenomenal. And the pastors we've had in our lives that were tr even transparent about their lives and their marriage, it seemed like we connected with them more and learned. So we wanted to be transparent and help other people. And I said, honey, do it. It needs to be told. And, and and I applaud you for that, because I know even though you can receive some healing as you go through the process, a lot of men, they typically, even though they're, they're quote, healed from it, they still don't want it revealed and they don't want to, quote, relive the details. But at the same time, that God has been able to use your story to restore marriages, to to bless a lot of people. Now, Nancy, you alluded to it earlier um, when I when you were talking about your anchor verse about guarding your heart. And you mentioned in the book that you referred to something called the I deserve to be happy gospel. And I, I know what you mean, but I never really heard it put that in those terms before. But could you explain for them, for people who are listening, what you um, what you mean by the deserve to be happy gospel, what that is? Well, I think it, it comes down to selfishness that the point of view of that would be that I'm the center of the universe and my needs are paramount over other people's. And that is not the biblical worldview that we are to have. We are to be serving each other and loving each other and preferring one another. But in general, uh, it's very easy to get caught up in the follow your dream, follow your heart, whatever makes you happy. Um, you know, go find your bliss, all the words, all the little buzzwords that are out there. But as if you can do those things within the a biblical framework, that's great. 
But a lot of times people go out of the framework of what the Bible would say to pursue selfishness. And that's what I'm talking about with the you deserve to be happy gospel. Uh, happiness is really not that relevant. Um, goodness is peace, patience, patience, mercy, loving kindness. All the fruits of the spirit are what should be our guide, not our happiness. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I got to tell you, um, I love the part in the book when your mom and dad, they confront you with what you call the tough love. And they were they did give you tough love. And in essence, they helped save your marriage. And I know your parents are now deceased now. But your dad said something that made me just burst out laughing. It's when you asked him, um, don't you want me to do what's best for me? <laughs> don't you want me to be happy? And I'm sure you did in your best little girl voice when you were asking about that because you're in your 20s. You know, but his, but his, his response was classic though he says happiness has nothing to do with this <laughs> why do you think he said that to you at that particular time and what are your thoughts about that well he knew that i had a pattern of i had a lot of boyfriends growing up and when somebody when i was bored with somebody or had a fight with them i'd just get a new one so, <laughs> and he knew that about me because i had brought home different people over the years and uh so he knew that now that you're married you can't do this anymore and your happiness is not the the relevant factor in a marriage because, you know, the butterflies and the romance come and go. But the um, the commitment remains the same despite your feeling. So what I said to my dad was, uh, you know, I was trying to get him to me to be the victim. So I'm I'm like, well, daddy, but don't you want me to be happy? <laughs> and he said. I didn't raise you to be happy. I raised you to behave. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> now, Ron, now the thing is, so Nancy, you came in with that kind of like, I hate to use the word baggage, but you with that belief. But Ron, were you of the same mindset coming into marriage that, you know, what, I'm going to marry Nancy because she's going to make me happy and I deserve to be happy. And this is the right woman to make me happy. Were you thinking the same thing or did you have a different um, view of marriage? No, I, we had a, a great dating life. We had a lot of fun and enjoyed each other. So, yeah, I'm expecting uh, this is a cat's meow. She's going to make my life perfect and make me happy every minute of the day. And there's never going to be any conflict, which shows how dumb I was. <laughs> you know, but I think a lot of people are guilty of that. Uh, you know, I, I often often joke with people when they think about getting married. I say, let me tell you how to, you know, how to guarantee you a happy marriage. I said, I said, write down a list of your expectations and your dreams and desires. I said, write it down. I said, now put it in the box. I said, now bury the box and don't you ever dig it up again. <laughs> That's what I tell them. Don't you ever go looking for that box. <laughs> I said, because it's not about you anymore. Once you decide to get exactly. married. <laughs> you might get one or two things That's right. two days, but not all at once on the same day. And, and the thing is, when it happens, then you, then you can thank God. God, thank you that she cooks. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> There was there was a scene in one of Tyler Perry's movie and and he was doing a movie about marriage and his friend was leaving uh, his wife for another woman. And he said, you're giving up 80 percent to pursue 20 percent. And all the buddies agreed. The college buddies said, yeah, why would you give up something you're getting out of this relationship that represents 80 percent of what you want to go chase something that you're really only going to end up with 20 percent? To chase that missing thing, you get the missing thing, but then you walked away from so much, especially if there's children. That's why it's so funny to hear people who look at being single as being a curse. 
if anything, man, enjoy those days while they last <laughs> because you're only concerned about you. But when you get into a marriage, it's no longer about you anymore. But in my son, you know, I have a 22 year old son now. And his question to me is that, Dad, why would anybody in their right mind get married? That's what he's always asking me. He says, Dad, you know, you, you have what you you have, what you have, you get what you want. Why would you want to ruin all of that? And I told him, I said, Kendall, there's a difference between being successfully single and happily married. I said, you can always get more together than you would by yourself, but you have to give up a lot more, too, to get it. You know, at the same time. But I want to ask you, and this we'll leave with you by asking you this, because I, I, I commend you on how you wrote the book. And I'm not just giving you this um, vain flattery because you don't use the book to paint yourself as this saint. You even warn us that we're not going to like you <laughs> while you are reading the book. Because, you know, you had your faults and your flaws um, you, and you mentioned it early in the book. But you also and I commend you for this, that you don't use Ron's treatment of you, how he treated you as a justification for your infidelity, even though Ron had his issues as well. But you you did describe Ron as being controlling, demanding and impatient. Now, my immediate thought, my immediate brother's like, did she? Yeah, Ron, she did. Yeah. (laughs) Now, but here's the thing. My immediate thought when I read that was this. That's most men. Right. So so my question was, was Ron that way? And now that you're on with us now, I can ask you the same question. Was Ron that way when you first met him or did he change into that person? I put in change in air quotes. Did he change that person after you guys got married? He was definitely more patient while we were dating. I think, you know, more giving, more giving. I think family background has a lot to do with it. His parents were more chaotic in their life together and they fought and and he used profanity and called me profane names, which my family didn't do that. And I was devastated by that. And it pushed me away. And so our dynamic did change after we got married. Well, I think most guys, they want to capture the prize. And they'll they'll put on the best show in the world to get the prize. And then once they get the prize, hell, okay, I've done that. Now take care of me. Do everything I need and want. And, uh, and that's a destructive attitude. And so, st- yeah, so it's like the hunt once you've <laughs> once you've bagged and booked her and put up on the wall and mounted her. <laughs> her ear and go to a movie. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So were, were there any what you said that our family influences this, Nancy? Was there anything that were warning signs to you that this might Ron might be some cause some potential problems in our relationship later on based on what you saw? Their big warning sign was the night before we got married and her family met my family Uh-oh. and they asked her to call off the wedding. Really? Yes. Yeah, wow. That, that wasn't in there. We were just so diverse. I, I like his parents, but they just were a whole different mindset than I grew up in. And well, most of my, my father was an alcoholic wife abuser and all of my siblings were and their boyfriends or husbands were pretty hardcore drug addicts. And so when her family, the Leave it to Beaver family, met my family at the rehearsal dinner, her mother and grandmother called her and begged her to call off the wedding. So that was a tough start. Wow. Yes. So what made you guys what made you guys push through that after these these warning signs or at least the comments from them? Well, we had the church already booked for the next morning. <laughs> oh, we didn't no. want to lose our deposit. <laughs> A little more than that. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> we, um, well, we knew that 
that God had put us together. There was a whole series of things while we were dating. Ron became a Christian while we were dating, which is not a good idea to date a non-Christian. But he sincerely did have a change of heart and come to Christ while we were dating. And I did love him and he did love me. And there's a lot of things that are fabulous about both of us that work really well together. But we just got off track and he got controlling and I rebelled against that. He would call me names. He's a comedian. Um, oh, that's kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he works comedy clubs. He does stand up comedy. So I was the brunt of his joke often. And that crushed me. Cause not, I, not a good idea, man. Don't do that. No, my weight and my cooking are not things you can joke about. No. So we had to find those boundaries of what's, what's fun and teasing and, and, you know, playful and flirty. And then what's downright mean. What? And that was where we couldn't agree. And, and you are coming from such two diverse backgrounds and role models as to how you deal with situations. My role model was if your wife, if your wife is out of line, hit her. Now I never hit Nancy, but verbally I punched her a lot. I mean, I cursed at her. I called her horrible names. I was just, uh, uh, you know, that's what I saw growing up. And I thought, okay, that's, I guess that's what you do if you're not getting what you want. And obviously all that did was push her further away from my arms. Tell, tell him what your dad said when he so, found out. Yeah. So when I went to my father at the bar to say, Nancy's left me and wants a divorce, his response, hmm. I'm sorry. His response was, Instead of giving me wisdom, he says, you didn't hit her enough. Yeah. Yeah. You put, and, I, and I think you got you put that in the book, hit, too, I as well. Yeah. But that's how that's he how he controlled. Women. Wow. Wow. You know, um, I often um, tell men, or at least women, when I'm talking to women about when they're talking about dating and getting married, I said one of the I think a uh, question that women, every woman should always ask before she's getting um, ready to marry somebody. Can I see the blueprint? Yeah. Wow. Can I see the yeah. blueprint? Nancy, imagine when you met Ron and said, man, this guy's man, he's got it going on. He is awesome. Amazing guy. Can I meet the blueprint? Yeah. Can I see the blueprint? <laughs> and it, it, as simple a question is that because we we mod, we have to follow a model. And like you just said, Ron, I thought you, you said it beautifully that, no, you didn't put your hands on Nancy. But, man, the words that you that you chose to use, it was just as bad as beating her. You know, and, and sometimes, and I know this sounds crazy, but sometimes those can last a lot longer than the bruises. Um, because I've experienced both um, people. I, I was sexually abused as a child, but I also dealt with a lot of verbal abuse. And p people say, it seems like you've gotten over the sexual abuse quicker than the verbal. I say, absolutely, because you don't forget those words, man. Yeah. They well, play it's like over. what you said in the beginning. That stuff plays over in our heads over and over. Yes. Came from such diverse backgrounds, and, and I just knew we were we were supposed to be married. Then we got off track for several years and then started putting it back together. And then when I, when I got pregnant with my son, then it really changed in my heart. Um, and then from then on, there was no issues, but it was a hard road. Rebuilding is hard. Well, Sometimes it's easier to bail, but I don't recommend it. Go, going back to your blueprint analogy, I guess what we had to do is we had to develop a blueprint for our marriage and our life together and scrap the old blueprint. Yeah. 
So like, what's yeah. that question that Dr. Fellows asked? How's that working out for you? You know, using that old blueprint. But Ron, I want to get to this because, you know, we, we, we kind of shifted and gotten a little serious. And we're going to get a little bit more serious because this show is obviously for men. Real men connect. And uh, I've experienced a lot of men who've dealt with infidelity um, from their wives and that kind of thing. And I'm guilty. I have blood on my hands. I, I was one of those guys who committed the adultery and I did on several occasions. Um, but the process, as I'm reading, and I will in full disclosure to you guys, Nancy, I got to admit, I love the way you write the book and I was loving the book. And then I was thinking they're leaving something out. You know what I'm saying? I'm missing something here because when you went to Ron to um, confess um, your infidelity and everything, and it, and I know it's a process, and I know the process, and I'm glad Ron is on it because Ron, I want to ask you this. It seemed to me, and I and I and I could be the way it was just written. It just seems like you got to forgiveness in such an easy. I'm not saying it was easy, but easier than what I'm used to seeing with people. I mean. It, it. I mean, I, I can't tell you the tug of war battles I've gotten in with men or women who've had to be a victim of the infidelity. And I wish it was as clear and clean and just a straight, narrow path to that forgiveness the way you did with Nancy. Now, if they read the book, they'll understand, Nancy, you came in total humility and brokenness, which I highly recommend to men all the time. But that's only your part. The other part, that person has to be able to receive that. And move forward. And for some reason, I'm like, Ron is a freaking saint. <laughs> right. I'm like, I know he wasn't all that and he had his issues. But my goodness, that's all it took. Ron it was just her now asking you to forgive you. Understand me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saint, saint Ron. <laughs> well, you know, I, I my my hobby is basketball and I'm 65 years old. And after we're done with this interview, I'm going to be out on the court. But I remember telling my my crew out there that I play ball with about this after I had forgiven her and pretty about 70% of them just said, I, I don't get it. How can you? And I, my response to them, and a lot of them are non-believers. And I said, you will be amazed at what you're able to accomplish if you have God on your side. And that was the, that, that really is the key because the glory doesn't go to me for forgiving her. The, the only way I was able to forgive her was I forgave her through Christ. That's it. And it was it was it was miraculous. <laughs> in the morning that it happened, the wisdom of her father, we went to counsel with them back east. And the first night that I got there, because Nancy had been there a week, they said, Nancy, have you told Ron that you're sorry? And she said, Yes, I have. And he said, Have you asked him to forgive you? We didn't even think about that. That that pro that part of it. We have it never even came up in our conversation the nights before. And he says, well, I want you to think about it overnight and we'll talk about it in the morning. And that night we went to bed. We slept on other sides of the bed. She's still in love with the other guy. We're just trying to figure it out. The next morning he said, well, what do you think? And Nancy, Nancy reached across the table and she grabbed my hand and she asked me to forgive her. And Dr. Joe... The only thing I can explain it by is the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to say, yes, I forgive you. And it was gone. It was gone. It never bothered me another day in my life. If it came up in a tougher conversation, my ego wasn't bothered. I wasn't bothered. And that had to be the Holy Spirit. And I do understand that that doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes it's a much longer process. In that moment in time, it was gone. It was a miraculous healing. Like some people are miraculously healed from a disease or, or an addiction or 
whatever. For That is how it worked in That's our relationship. That's the only way I can describe it. Now, the trust took a lot longer to rebuild. And I differentiate between forgiveness and trust. Yes, I love that part when you were talking about it. Go ahead, Nancy, explain right. that. The trust, <clears throat> excuse me, trust has to be earned. Forgiveness is a gift that you give someone that they don't even deserve. Think about when we came to Christ. He didn't ask for a list of everything we've ever done. <laughs> right, right. If he was going to forgive us. He forgave us our, all our trespasses. And when we give that gift to someone, we can't use it against them. We can't bring it up again. But the trust issue, I had to earn. Because my wife was always a flirter. And she had to change behaviors when we were in groups. Uh, and she made a conscious effort on her own. Like if she was going to be running late, she would call me and let me know. Right. Uh, so she was always reassuring me through her actions. And that that surely did help. Yes, because I mean, he could see my genuine change of heart and I quit the job, which we always recommend if there's if there's anything in the workplace, you've got to get away from that person and never talk to that person again. That's correct. And so we, and if we, I had stayed working there, I, I don't know that we could, would still be married. And, I had to break. And ties. I think the other thing is, is the morning after we decided we were going to try to figure it out, we both called the boyfriend that next morning. Uh, and Nancy told him that she was going back to her husband. And I said, I need to talk to him. And I said, Jake, my wife and I are going to figure this out. And I was obviously a lot more sane than if he would have been in front of me. But right. Uh, right. And I said that we're going to work this out. I need to know that you're not going to be in the background. He said, can I talk to Nancy again? And I said, yes. And so she reassured him that their relationship was over and that she was coming back to me. And I talked to him one last time, and he says, you'll never hear or see from him again. And we haven't, have we, honey? Nope. <laughs> and, and, I, and I got to tell you, you can tell God had his hand on your marriage foot, because I was going to ask that question, but I kind of assumed what you just, just said, that he no longer pursued you. Is that correct, Nancy? After that, he respected what, and, and I got to tell you, I'm glad you guys mentioned it, but I want them to go read the book because it was like me watching a movie when I'm reading, I'm like this, when you're going to talk, cause you don't hear too many people talk about that. We're going to confront that person together and we're going to address that person together. That usually is unheard of. Um, most people, especially being in your case, Rhonda, couldn't emotionally handle that, um, that part of it because they're so angry typically. Um, but you guys did it in such a way that I thought represented Christ so well. Um, and I'm hoping that it offered restoration um, for Jake's marriage as well. Nancy, if you don't mind me asking, because uh, I don't think you mentioned it in the book. How long did your relationship with Jake last before you guys went through the confrontation of breaking well, off? Well, you know, it started innocently. We were friends. So I don't know. The the inappropriate part was probably a couple months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you guys were and you guys were early in your marriage as well yes. when that yes. happened too. So which I, yes. we which means emotions running really high doing that. Time. Right. Yeah, but, you know, you could get a lot of fighting in in two years. <laughs> you could get a lifetime of fighting in if you play it right. And we did. And, wow. and the other thing, she quit her job that morning. She talked to the president. I know said, that was amazing to me, man. <laughs> and the president said, "You know, you're doing the right thing. Your marriage is." important to the job. She said, throw everything in my desk in the trash. He says, you're doing the right thing. So there again, the Lord, you know, to reassure her that she shouldn't worry about the job, 
little things like that. And I had a, a deposit down on an apartment and we went together and I told the guy, the landlord, you know, just keep the deposit. I know I put you in a bad position. And I think he even gave us his, the deposit back. I mean, it was just, you could tell the path was then clear for us to rebuild and we got to keep all of our eight track tapes together <laughs> we didn't have to split them up well i tell you, i mean it's so obvious that god had his hand on that because because typically you had to run into so much opposition when you're trying to do the right thing and it seemed like the doors just kept opening and getting like you said those lanes that they've given you deposit back and you've been able to quit your job and all this it's that god had his hand on even the fact of the intervention with your mom and dad coming in and not uh, what my wife always says is not second in your stupid <laughs> right <laughs> but um yeah. but giving you tough love you know that, they did that was a catalyst yeah. They intervened. They took charge. My father-in-law gave me my wife's hand in marriage the day that I asked her to marry me. He gave it to me again the day that he taught her that she needed to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, now, Ron, this uh, I got this. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is something I wanted to ask you. Because, and I'm so glad and it's a blessing to have you on the show now because I can ask you this directly. And because I was going to put Nancy in a very tough position today by asking her this question, because maybe she was trying to not say anything about it. But now that you're on the show, I'll put you on the hot seat today. You, When Nancy had asked you in the book, she had meant ask you about forgiving her about were you struggling? Were you having a tough time and everything? And your response to her, no, and that I've given you explained to us why, you know, when God is on your side, it's easier to do that. But you made a statement that Nancy, you never said anything else after he made the statement. I'm like, okay, what happened? <laughs> What's that mean? And your response, Ron, when she asked, you said, you know, are you able to forgive me? Is it all right? Are you struggling? You said, no, I've, I've come to forgive you, but I'm struggling with forgiving myself. And that was it. And then Nancy goes on talking about the next topic. And so, But my question, Ron, is what did you mean by that? It, well, it was actually a struggle for Nancy to forgive herself. Although I forgave her, she still battled with the process of forgiving herself. Yeah, and I understand that, but I couldn't understand your part of forgiving yourself. What were you really struggling with? Oh, oh you know, that's right. You're right. That's right. I, we were on the Montel Williams show, and he asked a similar question. And I said, look. The bottom line is I was at fault. I pushed this guy into her arms. I'm calling her horrible names. I'm fighting with her all the time. Whoever got home first that night got to prepare their argument for the fight to come. It was a constant battle. I ridiculed her. I made fun of her in front of other people. I pushed and this guy's bringing her picnic baskets in the park. I would have dated him. Shoot, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so she comes home to me, and I'm the creep. And, yeah, I, and Montel yeah. says, well, how can you blame yourself? I said, because I was the problem. I was part of the problem. It takes two to tangle. And I have to own my part of it. And you men that are listening, you have to be introspective. And if you have a situation where the marriage is not going well, it's trust me, it's not all your wife's fault. You have to be honest with yourself. Own up with it. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what you're doing wrong in this relationship and own it. Man up. Yeah. You know, and Nancy, I, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the author, not me. I thought that that's, that wasn't an oversight on your part. I thought you did it intentionally is because you did not want to bash Ron and or get people to say, oh, she's playing the victim role in this. Am I am I jumping to the wrong conclusion? Because I just thought that seemed kind of awkward. You did not discuss that at all in the book. Well, I think the thing that he was having trouble forgiving himself for was that was the bad behavior, 
the profanity, the the attacks against me. I think that he felt really broken that he had done that. And I felt broken that I had gone outside the marriage. So we were both came back broken and contrite and sorry and started to rebuild. But that didn't fix everything. No. That, that process was just the beginning. It took at least three years before we probably started really liking each other again. But we were doing all the things the scripture was telling us, and we were learning the techniques for avoiding the fights, avoiding the arguments, learning how to communicate, praying together. First step was, is we had to get our foundation squared away. We had to go back to Christ because we were drifting away during those times. So we recommitted ourselves to the Lord. We recommitted ourselves to the church. We recommitted ourselves to the scriptures. And we started building from there. And then after several years, we started getting in harmony where we really liked each other. And then slowly we fell back in love with each other. Yeah, it it, it was a uphill, you know, it was uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill. I had to, you know, stop flirting with people. I had a lot of bad habits that I had to break over time. And he had a lot of bad habits. Right. And sometimes you fail and fall and steps forward and steps back. But we'd come together again and say, okay, this happened and, and I've got to ask you to forgive me. He'd call me a slip and call me a name and we'd work through it again. Instead of fleeing away, we'd figure it out together. I, I think we were I think we got quicker at giving mercy. Yeah. And not beating up the person for the infraction. As long as the person yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have said that, as opposed to defending it and ending up in an argument out of defense. So we tried to, as we were changing these patterns of bad behavior, I mean, this stuff doesn't change overnight. We were like two pendulums swinging in opposite directions for several years. But slowly, bad habit after bad habit after bad habit started to dissipate. And then we started growing closer together, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, yeah. it was it was quite a journey, yeah. I'll say. But now, even, even, all these years later, we are. I think it all was for a purpose, and that purpose is to tell people, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up in the heart in the valley, because you know it. It's hard, but don't give up. Cling to each other. Cling to the Lord. Get mentors. Go to marriage seminars. Get in a church that has a um, marriage ministry and is couple minded. Well, and there's you so men, many things you can do. This show that you have. Mentoring to men, really, that's what you're doing. You're mentoring to all the men out there that are going through uh, crazy life. And just for the encourage them to tune back into this show, I thought going through this process, if I go to a couple's retreat or if I read a book or I listen to a tape or I listen to a show like this on the radio, if I get one idea that day out of that process that makes my marriage better and I get more sex and I'm not being funny. <laughs> yeah, but I know what you want. mean. Yeah. And I get more intimacy. <laughs> yeah. Then I want to learn that. And now if you do that over a period of time, you have a quiver full of these these things that you've learned about your behavior and how to change it. Man, I'm telling you, we're going on 40 years of marriage and it has been a sweet ride. It was tough in the beginning. But I look at it. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my marriage because we in love and we have fun together. We do. And we help a lot of couples, which is the whole point. Whatever we had to go through um, to get to this point, 
we just use it all for God's glory because it's it's not us. And we're not perfect. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no. Ronnie boy here makes mistakes once in a while. And the same with Nancy. We just and you do just, it less frequently yes. than we used to. And, and we have learned to forgive quickly. And we also learn how to de-escalate. That's one of the... So there's so much... For all you men that are listening... Man, the Lord has just put so much great information out there for you. The scriptures, the Christian books, Christian tape, Christian radio shows, this show. And if you get into this lifestyle of trying to improve yourself, you will have a phenomenal wedding, a marriage. You'll just wake up and say, I, I can't even believe how great it is compared to the pit that we were in before. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you something that really, really jumped out at me when I was reading your, your story is when uh, I thought, and Ron, you're so funny. But um, when your pastor asked you guys and needed to meet with you, and, and you guys were going back and forth blaming each other about what the problem was, I Not thought us. it was hilarious. You said, what you, you told him she was a gossip, and you would say something that she did. We were but, like, what? In fact, we still know um, his name's Pastor Triggs. We're still friends with him. Oh, are you? He, oh, yeah. He said, I. I he said, God picked you. I don't know. I was praying <laughs> who to pick, and you guys' picture came to mind, and I did it. He said, I was just obedient. I didn't know that much about your backstory. But but you know but, what that jumped out at me, though, Nancy, is when when you guys agreed to do it, and I think every man out there needs to listen to this. When you guys agreed to do it, you decided, okay, we're going to do this thing perfectly. We're going to, you know, they gave us curriculum and everything, and you said it wasn't working. No. And like, what's going on? And then you decided, all of a sudden, you guys decided, you know what, let's just put our stuff out there <laughs> and what our struggles are, what we're dealing with, and how we're not perfect, we're flawed, and all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, the top came off everything, and that's when people got blessed. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yep. And then they started to say, well, we struggle with this too. And it, we'd have a fight on Friday night. We'd bring it to the class Sunday morning and say, here's what happened last night. How could we have done it differently? So well, we would deconstruct an argument and everybody learned from we, it. I got a letter, certified mail from an old girlfriend from Germany and uh, who got a divorce and wanted to get back together with me. So Nancy went to get the letter. They wouldn't give it to her. I went to get the letter. Got it, read it, took it home, let her read We took that letter back to the class. Wow. Okay, here's a real life. <laughs> wow. here's a, here's I love it. Here's I love it. Temptation. The woman has unresolved issues. We have to honor that. She's a human. How do we deal with this? And we went around the room, and we had about 15 or 20 couples, and it was all over the map. But eventually we dealt with it. And uh, But we... You're right. Being real, like real men, the title of your program, you got to and you men got to be real with your buddies. Let them know what you're going through because they're going through the similar thing. And you can work it out getting advice. Mm -hmm. But being real changed everything, everything. Yeah, that's why I'm not surprised that God has blessed your ministry and what you guys are doing. And Ron, I'm going to go back to my let's keep it real because you said something that could easily go past men and they miss it. And they now know the story that it was Nancy's, you know, Nancy st stepped outside of the marriage physically. But at the same time, you took ownership of your part in it. And Nancy, we had a, a guest on the show, a good friend of mine who marriage ended after 18 years because her husband's um, pornography addiction. And she now she was totally, you know, he was totally at fault. 
He he didn't even think he had a problem. That's how bad the problem was. And they eventually got a divorce. But she said something on the air that I'm glad only a woman could have gotten away saying it. But Ron, you just said it, but I needed to hear a woman say it. She says, um, Joe, I decided to get counseling, get some help and deal with my issues and everything to save our marriage. And she said that when she was asked, um, why are you here to get counseling? She says, because it's impossible for you to be spend 18 years doing anything and not take some responsibility of your part in it. Amen. She said, how can you be 18 years part of anything and you be blameless? <laughs> you know? And I'm glad she said it, not me or all our women would have stopped listening to our podcast. <laughs> You're right. But Ron, when you said it, I'm glad you said it now for the men to hear it from a man. That no, yes, you we can try to throw Nancy under the bus all we want to. But the fact is, you have to take ownership of your part in this. And what part did you play? Because God is going to deal with Nancy and God is going to deal with you. He's not going to ask you about Nancy's sins. <laughs> and he's not going to ask Nancy about Ron's sins. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, as, as, as men and women, we all have to own part of the problem. If your marriage is not good and things aren't well, you're part of the problem. It's not like that. Whether you're the wife or the husband. It takes two to tangle. Just be, just be honest with yourself. It doesn't mean you're less of a human. That Lord, the Lord loves you less. So be real with the Lord and be real with who you are. Say you're right. I do call you horrible names, and that's wrong. Yeah, and fix it. A lot of times you'll hear, "Well, I was only, I only called you that name because you pushed me to." It. <laughs> right, right, huh. right. Like you have no control over your mouth. Exactly. So we both had control over our bodies, our minds, our spirit, and it's not to say that we don't still make mistakes. We do. We just recover faster than we used to. Don't be prideful. Fix it. Nancy, so let me let me um, I want to get into now um, um, some practical stuff that we can give the men um, and the women out there, I guess, who are listening to as well. But Nancy, I want to start with this. What advice do you typically give women, your women friends now who are contemplating divorce? Because obviously we can look at your story. It's OK. If Nancy and Ron can do it. Maybe we can do it. But. Typically, because we know how sometimes we do have those sinful sympathizers <laughs> who yeah. will say, girl, that's right. You need to leave him. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. But yeah. what advice do you give women who are miserable in their relationship, thinking the grass is green on the other side? What do you say to them? And then, Ron, we're going to come back to you and I'm going to ask you, what do you say to men? What I try to do is have them look at the bigger picture. It's hard right now. And I know it's hard right now. But we know that blaming and complaining and controlling and and all those things we try to do on our own don't work. But what works is surrender. And if you'll surrender your heart, your mind, your body, your soul to the Lord and ask him to work through you and move in you to bring you to be the wife that God has designed you to be, then your ability will flow or God's ability will flow through you and you'll be surprised at the patience you can acquire and at the mind of Christ that you can acquire and then to apply those things to your marriage and you can't fix another person you can't change another person but you can say if there be any sin in me Lord cleanse my heart and you can go to your husband and say that to him and say if there's anything I'm doing what can I do to please you? What can I do to please the Lord? What can I do to fix our marriage? Go with the contrite heart. 
And that's what the Lord loves. And that's what your husband will love because all this blaming and complaining pushes people away and no one will learn from it. So I say, surrender to the Lord and ask how, how can I make the Lord the center of my life and then make the husband the center of my marriage and really focus on him. And Ron, what would you add to that? Because that's great advice from Nancy. What would you add to that? Well, obviously, we always encourage them to get their spiritual life in order. But I basically tell the men, I say, look, the enemy is destroying your family. This is your pork chop hill. You're the general. You're either going to climb the hill and save your family, or you're going to let the enemy destruct it, destroy it. So you ha- you have to fight for this with everything that you've got. And I use a war analogy uh, because we have that capability of compartmentalizing things and going after a task. And I try to encourage them to do that. I also say, look, whatever you envision uh, the perfect marriage to be, you're never going to have that with whoever it is. But I guarantee you, if you take the next relevant step, and study the word on marriage and read books on marriage and listen to tapes on marriage and change your behavior, you're going to wake up on the other side of that rainbow and you're going to say, praise God that I did not give up. Praise God, because this is this is what I dreamt marriage might be like. And you can have that. So I try to encourage them to just take the next step, whether it's to read a book, get counseling with a pastor or go to a Christian counselor, because I can't solve it for them draw closer to the Lord. And I also explained to them, I said, the, you don't know it, but as we speak, the enemy is laying out landmines of your life over the next 50 years. You don't know where they're at, but they're there, and you're going to step on one, and you're going to get through it if you have Christ at the center. You're going to have scars. Everybody's going to be wounded, but then you're going to go on, and life is going to be better, but there's going to be another landmine. Might be an illness, might be finance. They're going to be a life of landmines. But the, every time that you and your family in Christ step on one of those landmines and get through it, the next one's easier to get through. And the next one's easier to get through. But the main thing is you're going to finish the race. And you're going to finish it together. I Amen. mean, what a, we're 40 years in June. And you, you would never, no one would have ever predicted it, that we would have. Five. Which is amazing because I'm only 35. <laughs> and, I, and I tell you, after reading the first um, chapter, a couple of chapters of the book, you're thinking, you think, I think I know they turned out good, but it don't seem like it's possible based on the picture that Nancy's painting right in the beginning. So, uh, so, so spoiler alert, they are married still and it's going on 40 years. But man, the picture, you, you were blatantly honest and, and very transparent because it does not seem like there was hope at all for that marriage to be reconciled. No. You know, but, I, but I got time for one more question. We're running short on time. And Nancy, I'm going to let you uh, share this with us because we are going to um, put, you know, we want them to get the book, but I want you to quickly, and they want more detail, they can go ahead and get the book and hopefully they will get it. I highly recommend it. But I want you to quickly explain to our listeners the acrostic that you use, Hedges, H-E-D-G-E-S, as you outline in the book and why it's so essential to affair proofing your marriage. And quickly tell us what Hedges mean. Okay. Well, it is a boundary for your marriage uh, to keep the good things in and the bad things out. And it spells out the word Hedges. And it is H for hearing, which is communication skills, which we didn't have. Then encouraging, which is a help your mate physically, spiritually, mentally, be it a helper. 
than D for dating, which is having the fresh part and the fun part and the the not necessarily even romance, but the connection, the friendship, the great memory building, then guarding, which is very specific. I go through boundaries for the workplace, for business travel, for working with someone at church, for your hobbies, for uh, people who may live in your house, like a nanny or a babysitter or something like that. Very specific guarding hedges to put up around your marriage. Then educating, which Ron alluded to, was that is to study your mate as if he were she were a textbook and you're getting a PhD in each other to really understand your mate. Because if you're doing that and if you're seeking to please them, it makes all the difference. And then S, the last one, is for satisfying, which is putting all that into practice. Knowledge without action is not very helpful in any in any venue, but in marriage less so. So ask what they need and then do it. It's the doing that sometimes we fall down on. And then we end up like Isaiah 58, 11 says, you'll be like a well-watered garden. And that's what we want our marriages to be with those hedges around it and a beautiful, picturesque, lovely, lush lawn. That's what we want. Well said, real well said, and very um, succinctly um, summarized there too, Nancy. And guys, listen to what she said. She said H is for hearing, N, E is for encouraging, D is for dating, G is for guarding, E is for education, and S is for satisfying. And I highly recommend that you guys read the book. Um, it is definitely worth reading. It's an easy read. And Nancy, you are a great, great writer. Well, and the way you outline the book, I, and please don't take this as an insult, you write like a man. and you write for men so even though I know it's probably for women but I learned a lot and I can't wait for my friends to read the book as well and guys we we have reached the end of our show and I can't thank my guests um, Ron and Nancy Anderson so much for taking time out of their busy schedules to spend time with me and time with you to share with you some of the insights from, from a great great book and a book that I know can highly bless your marriage if you are teachable and ready to receive and so guys thank you Ron Nancy, for um, taking time on the show to be with us today. Oh, thank, thank you. It was thank our you, privilege. Thank you, Dr. Joe. It was a pleasure. Lord bless your ministry, and uh, you men are fortunate that this ministry is out there for you. Lord bless all you men who are listening today. Yeah, well, thank Bye-bye. you. But, we, but we're not going to let you guys off the air that quick, though. I want you to let them know. We keep talking about the book, but if they wanted to find out more about what you guys are doing together as a couple, um, as a ministry, what would be one of the best ways to reach out and connect with you? Oh, my website, which is my name, Nancy, middle initial C, Anderson. So it's nancycanderson.com. And there's all sorts of things, articles and blogs and resources. And, of course, you can buy the book on Amazon. It's Avoiding the Greener Grass Syndrome, How to Grow a Fairproof Hedges Around Your Marriage. Now, now, and Ron, I know that Nancy is the speaker and the teacher, but if you know how guys are, they might want to reach out to you <laughs> and they want to talk to you because they have some questions they want to ask you off there. Um, is there a way they can connect with you or is it best to connect with you through Nancy's you website? You could go to that website because we, we work that website together. So if you men have questions, uh, I will. I'm, if you have a phone number, I'm more than willing to call you if you want to correspond by Email or text. If there's anything that I can do to give you input, I'm happy to just share it. Go to the nancycanderson.com and then contact and just say email for Ron. That'll gotcha. work. 
Gotcha. That'll work. And what we'll do is we'll put that in the show notes as well. So they all have that. Thank you guys for sharing that information with me. I really appreciate it. And to all you guys out there listening, please do us a favor. And this is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes to rate the program for especially this particular episode. If it has been a blessing to you, it's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Guys, if it wasn't for you, we would not be number one now in the Christian market for men and discipling men and mentoring men. So keep on sharing because sharing is caring. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with realmenconnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and you know, as always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast, it's a mission ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.